All right, good morning, Four Oaks. Pastor Paul here coming at you from the home office um, here at Four Oaks. It is, let's see here, Tuesday, March 23rd, 2021. Glad you're with us. If you're new to this, this is our journey through the book of Exodus. So we take about 15 minutes or so every weekday morning to, to unpack God's word. We're about at the halfway point. Um, of our journey through this book. And we have just come to, to this place where God has given his Ten Commandments to Moses. Moses has gone up on the mountain. He's met with God. Um, God is um, ratifying his covenant treaty with his people. Um, he's he's, um, he's declaring them to be his possession, that he's freed them from the bonds of Egypt, um, in slavery, they now belong to him. He's saved them. He's redeemed them. He's leading them into the promised land. And um, we're up up to that point now where, where God has given them his moral law, the Ten Commandments, and now he is going to be giving them his civil and ceremonial law. And, and what does all this mean? Well, see, a lot of times when we come to these portions of Scripture um, in the Old Testament, where there's all these different specifications of laws as we find in Exodus 21, 22, and 23. Laws about slaves and laws about animals and laws about, um, you know, restitution and farm animals and um, uh, sacrifices. And, and let's be honest, this is a point where we often get bogged down. And, and what I would like to do as we're heading into this next section of, Etic of Exodus is to, to really kind of give a high-level sort of overview context teaching on how I think we can beneficially approach these portions of, of Exodus versus just skimming over them or, let's be honest, skipping them entirely. So, so one way to think about the way the Pentateuch is structured is that is that Israel obviously lived as part of a theocracy, um, which means that they were they're not in a democracy; they're a theocracy. They are governed under the rule of God. So the the almost in a in a way that a, a Muslim um, context in a country where there's Sharia law, where the law of the land is the law of the religion, and and so Israel was set up in a very similar way. And so all of the rulers were God's rulers. They were God's prophets and priests and kings. And, and if you were a part of the nation of Israel, you were a part of the people of God, and you lived according to the laws that God had given his people. And there were three kinds of laws that God gave his people. There was the moral law, which we've been looking at, which is the, really summarized in the Ten Commandments, which was summarized by this idea of love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor and that these Ten Commandments operationalize that. They're still um, relevant and in effect for us. But there were two other kinds of laws, too. Um, there were the ceremonial laws, which were the laws given to govern, like, sacrifices and worship and, and how God's people were to engage him um, in, in worship and how they were to approach him and sort of the... The regulations that surrounded that and there was what we would call the civil law and that was to govern the body politic the 
the rules, the laws of the land, how they were to, the people were to relate to one another in the civil society. And, and we believe as Christians now that the civil law and the ceremonial law um, have been abrogated. They've been done away with. Not that they aren't important, but that they were um, within the context of this theocracy and that they have ultimately been fulfilled in Christ, right? Christ perfectly obeyed the law. Uh, not just the moral law, but the civil law, the ceremonial law. He is now the fulfillment of these Levitical sacrifices. He now is the fulfillment of the obedient um, Jew. And um, and so, so those have been sort of pushed to the side. Now, a lot of times we can wrongly deduct from that, okay, that, that this Old Testament civil law or ceremonial law is no longer relevant to us and that we don't need to really pay it much attention. And, and I think that's the wrong way to approach it, okay? Um, because we're missing um, what a, a huge portion of God's word that Jesus still says is fulfilled in him and points to him. Um, we're still missing a huge portion of God's word, which Paul says is, is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and righteousness. And when Paul wrote that, he was speaking of the Old Testament uh, specifically. Now, I think the Westminster Confession of Faith, which is um, the doctrinal standards of uh, the Presbyterian Church, um, it's, the it's the confession of faith that other confessions were later formulated and based upon, is really helpful in this, okay? And it talks about um, the way I think we should look at these sections of of the Old Testament. And so here, here's to, here, here is, and I'm quoting now, okay, this is the Westminster Confession of Faith speaking about the law of God. To them also as a body politic, he's talking about Israel, he gave sundry judicial laws, which is what we're going to be looking at here, which expired together with the state of that people, not obliging any other now further than the general equity thereof may require. So what that's all in old English, of course. What does that mean, the general equity? Well, it means that um, while the specific um, application points, okay, um, um, are no longer applicable to us in the same way in the Old Testament civil and ceremonial law, there is a principle that undergirds this, okay, that we do need to pay attention to, that which is still um, wisdom for us, um, which we still need to 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 grapple with to understand what is the what's the what's the biblical principle or what's what is it that's being revealed about God that stands behind this particular commandment, okay, or or directive from God. And so let me give you an example. Um, in Deuteronomy, it talks about this idea that when Israelite, when the Israelites moved into their homes in the Promised Land, they were to build um, the equivalent of, okay, as a safety feature, railways, okay, or, or, or um, I'm trying to think of a, a better way to describe it. They, they were to build um, barriers on the top of their roofs, okay, to keep people from falling off. Now, why is that? Well, because roofs in the Mediterranean ancient world were used, still are, okay, for entertaining and people would eat and socialize out on their roofs. Well, 
kind of like we have seat belts in cars. God instructed the people to protect their family members, to protect their neighbors who would visit with them, to to to, to install these these barriers that would keep people from falling off the roof. It was a way that they were to protect one another, to love one another, uh, one love one another. Well, obviously. Um, not many of us, particularly here in the South, are <laughs> congregating on our roofs, okay? But if we were, we would want to ensure the safety of our family members and neighbors. Um, well, there's a principle here, right? It's a, there's a principle that even though we don't entertain on rooftops here um, in our context, there are plenty other opportunities where we want to ensure the safety uh, and the well-being of those around us. We don't want to be rec- reckless, right? We don't want to. We don't want to speed through neighborhoods. We don't want to uh, drink while driving. We want to make sure everybody has a seatbelt when they travel. Um, so that's a principle: love of neighbor, care of neighbor. That's embedded in that command that we can take forward from here. Now, are there examples of 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 the New Testament? using the Old Testament law in that way, and and I think there is, okay? So if you flip over for a second to Deuteronomy chapter 25, okay, Deuteronomy 25, um, and let me get the, the right, the citation, yeah, Deuteronomy 25 verse 4, okay? This is going to be an example of God's um, a part of the civil law, okay, that was used to govern Israelite society. And here, um, there is a command given about, it's just a one little verse, uh, let me read it, Deuteronomy 25, 4. You shall not muzzle an ox when it is treading out the grain. And this was talking about, here's, you know, these beasts of burden that were to um, serve the people of Israel, treading out the grain, plowing, harvesting, it's basically saying, don't overwork your ox. Do not muzzle an ox, okay? Meaning, make sure you're not working him to death. Make sure you're also feeding him, okay? Now, interestingly, turn over to 1 Timothy 5. Paul quotes this very passage, okay? And he applies it to a different context. 1 Timothy 5 17 through 18, he says, Let the ruler, elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. And we have to say, what, what is Paul talking about here? Well, he's, he's taking this Old Testament law, okay, muzzling the ox, and he's applying it to elders who make their living from the gospel. And he's commanding the church in Ephesus, in a sense, to make sure you're providing for the financial provision of those who preach and teach and rule in your midst, okay? And there's all, insert joke here, right? Your pastor is is like an ox, okay? Or your elder or like a herd of oxen or, you know, you get what I'm saying. Well, Paul is taking, see, see, the Old Testament law is not applicable in the same way, but he's taking a principle and he's applying it to our context. This is all a way of saying that, that, that for Oaks, let's not disregard this Old Testament civil ceremonial law that God has given us um, that we're coming to now in Exodus because it is relevant. It's important. It speaks to 
to deeper truths and we want to 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 mine these things out of the text okay and apply them um, to our lives and so so that's all kind of like a uh, an overview okay of of how I think we should approach um, these Old Testament laws that we're now getting to in Exodus. So this first section, for example, talks all about slaves. And, and of course, this raises up, raises a whole host of issues for us, okay? These laws about how they're to treat slaves and how not to treat slaves. And, and, and there's a couple of things we want to say about this, okay? One is that, that slavery in the Old Testament, okay, functioned much closer to what we would call work relationships, okay, than they would what we would call uh, or see in American chattel slavery where, where, where people were stolen from their families and forced to work. Um, and there's actually very specific laws in, Gen- in Exodus 21 um, that, that prohibit that sort of thing. We're, we need to think about slavery or servitude in the Old Testament as closer to what we might think about as 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 work relationships or contract labor, or maybe even what we would see in when people uh, enlist in the military, right? Um, they're enlisting in the military. They're binding themselves uh, legally to serving in the armed forces, but they're receiving certain benefits in return. Okay, and then at the end of a prescribed time, um, you're they're released from service, and and that's very similar. Okay, to what um, the way the way servitude functioned among the people of God in the Old Testament, okay? And what Moses' concern here is, is for the people of God is that the way they work, the way that they employ people, the way that they um, enact employer-boss relationships, okay, would be different than what they had experienced at the hands of the Egyptians, right? So when they were in, in Egypt, they were oppressed, they were humiliated, they were treated harshly and unfairly. And when we read through Exodus 21, and we're not going to spend the time to, to, to read all these verses right now, um, what we see is that God is very keen to say, you are to be different. You are to be holy. You are to be separate. You are to be distinct in the way that you engage those who work with and for you, unlike the Egyptians who mistreated you horribly. And so what's a good lesson for us, okay? Well, we should work in a way in our jobs, um, in our, in our whether it's at home with children and family, whether it's um, in the workplace, whether, whether um, it's out in the marketplace, there should be something different about the way we engage, okay, the work relationships in our life that distinguish us from our culture, right? We should work hard. Um, we should work honestly. Um, we should not engage in workplace gossip. We should not criticize our boss, okay? We should not talk down coworkers to other coworkers. Um, we, if we're a boss, we want to treat people fair, fairly, um, um, equitably. We want to to honor God and, and represent Him in all that we're doing in our work or in our work at home. And and so I think when we when we look at 
Exodus 21 with these different laws, okay, that are, that are regulating these these servant-master relationships, that's that's one of the things that we're going to be wanting to take away from this is, God, how, how are you calling me to be distinct and different um, in my work relationships, okay, um, that will distinguish the gospel and hold the gospel up? So, so that's just an example um, of, of what, the way I think we ought to be reading these sections in Exodus. Now, tomorrow, we will start getting into some of these laws more specifically. And we're not going to spend time, just a heads up, looking at each single one in great detail because we just don't simply have the time um, or the Constitution to, to do that. But we will be focusing on specific laws with this idea of we want to be drawing out principles. There's there's laws about social justice in here. There's laws about restitution. There's um, there's laws about how we're to rest, okay? And we want to, to pick out a few of those vignettes and really mine them for the truth that God has for us. Okay, thanks for bearing with that. I know it was a little technical, um, but a little theological, but um, I think it will serve us well as we continue to, to walk through this book together. Let me pray for us and we'll be done. Lord, um, give us wisdom to understand your word. Remind us that all of your word, every bit of it is, is holy, it's applicable, it's relevant to our lives. And so, Father, we're asking that you would um, give us eyes, ears to see and to apply these truths to our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I would encourage you, okay, um, go ahead and read ahead. Uh, be reading Exodus 21, 22, 23, thinking about these passages in light of the things we talked about today.